Superman Forever Radio, Episode 84, Wonder Man, the new hero of Metropolis. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, the tall buildings of a single bound, the incident of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to Superman Forever Radio. I'm Bob Fisher. This is a show where I take an aspect in the great life and history of Superman and talk about it. This episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the great toys Superman had. And uh, we're also going to take a look at Superman number 163, featuring Wonder Man. So uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But first off, and right off the top, I want to thank Michael Bradley for inviting me to join him on his show, Superman and Batman podcast, to talk about World's Finest, number 142, which featured the composite Superman, one of my favorite DC characters. And uh, Michael Bradley was nice enough to invite me on to talk about it. And in fact, talked so much, Michael had to cut it into two episodes. So uh, check that out. That's Superman and Batman where Michael basically uh, looks at the adventures where Superman and Batman team up in the uh, pages of World's Finest. And we looked at World's Finest number 142, The Composite Superman. So uh, check that out. Superman and Batman with Michael Bradley. That's episode, by the way, episode 25, part one and two. Had a blast. Had an absolute blast. Thank you, Michael. Would also like to thank and mention... Michael Bailey, Views from the Long Box, also recorded with he and Paul Spitaro, Back to the Bins, and Andrew Leyland of Hey Kids Comics. The four of us got together to talk about, shh, it's a secret. It's a secret. We're not, we're not, we're not going to talk about it yet. Shh. But I always have fun when I get together with those guys. That's a, that's a fun session. Uh, I'll let you know when that comes out, because that'll be an an interesting uh, show, and I'm sure everyone will want to hear that as well. And I just had a blast. So thank you, Michael Bailey, for inviting me on, and uh, Paul Spitaro and Andrew Leyland. What a great time that was. So I haven't been totally away from the microphone during the month of August, but I did take a little break from Superman Forever Radio, and now hopefully we'll be back on track. So, but while I'm talking about podcasts, and I'll preface this next little bit, uh, I'm going to talk about a podcast here that I have found recently, but I want to preface it first, you know, by saying that maybe, well, let's not even put it that way. I think that sometimes, and I guess because I am one of the older readers that I know, one of the older people I know that still reads Superman comics, that's been doing it for a long time. I've just found a new Facebook page that I'm having a great time uh, on, and it looks like several of the people on that site are in my age bracket. It's all about the Silver Age. So that's really fun. I've enjoyed talking to those guys recently. But the podcast I want to talk about comes about, and, and, uh, and again, I want to preface it by thinking that because I'm older, and I sometimes think that the younger generation 
may not get a full idea, if they're just coming into Superman now, they may not get a complete idea of who this character is and its rich history. Because a lot of times when you come into something, you you think, wow, this is really cool, and you take it from there. You build on on your foundation, depending on when you came in. I am one of these kind of people, and I'll compare it to music, for example. Let's say you hear a Bob Dylan tune, and he's talking, and the Bob Dylan song says, uh, nobody sings the blues like blind Willie Mactell. Seen the arrow on the dumpers Saying this land is condemned All the way from New Orleans To Jerusalem I traveled through East Texas well you see I'm the kind of person that will think, wow, Bob Dylan's talking about some guy named Blind Willie McTell. Who is that? So I'll look him up, find some of his records, and go, oh, okay. And realize that he, you know, was from the turn of the century, early 20s, 1920s. And one of the early blues to actually uh, record some vinyl. And a southern man, blind preacher, actually, too. Now look at him, mama, let me tell you this. If you want to get crooked, I'm going to give you my best. You might read from Revelation back to Genesis. If you get crooked, your southern can't belong to me. Ain't no need you bringing no jive to me, cause your southern can't is mine. Might go uptown, have a rest and have me put in jail. Some hot shot got money coming and go my bail. Soon as I get out, hit the ground. Your southern can't work two dollars a half a pound. Ain't no need you bringing no stuff to me Because your southern can is mine You might take it from the south You might carry it up north Must understand you can't really need to be my boss Take it from the east Hide it in the west But when I get it, mama, you can't won't see no rest Ain't no need you bringing no stuff to me Because your southern can is mine I eat in the morning Southern can belong to me I'm not dreaming Your southern can belong to me but anyway, uh, I'm that kind of a person. If I see something I like or hear something I like, I might want to find out, you know, where it came from or its history. I like to know the roots and the history of whatever it is that I happen to be into. And I've done the same with Superman. I came into Superman as a child uh, with the George Reeves show, of course, and then my cousin showing me a actually a a late golden age comic from 1946 was my first comic book. But actually when I first started buying comics and getting them, you know, my parents to get them for me at drugstores or wherever they were at the time, those were silver age comics. Those were late fifties silver age comics. So my real thing is into silver age, but I looked back and started reading golden age whenever I could get a chance because of the history thing. And if you're a Superman fan, 
sometimes you have to qualify. You could almost say, well, what, which fan? Because it's almost like every 10 years, there's a different Superman. He's got super huge powers or no powers or this or that. He changes with the, with the time, so to speak. But the core character, uh, for the most part, has remained. But I do worry or did worry a little bit sometimes. I think about that if the younger generation, for example, is just reading the New 52 and they're coming into Superman and just reading the New 52, let's say, and the Man of Steel movie that came out last summer, let's say that's what brought you into comics. That is uh, a different take on what has come before it. Now, I'm not bashing the New 52. I'm currently reading the New 52. Uh, it's had its problems. It's been up and down, but it's starting to get a little bit of a foothold, I think. There's been some really good story. The Doomed story, I think, was pretty good. Went on a little too long, but still pretty good. And I'm on record as liking The Man of Steel, even though that is not uh, a traditional Superman, so to speak. But if you're young and you're coming into Superman, say, within the last five or ten years, that's a very different Superman than had come before, than had been before. And I worry that, you know, because most people are probably not going to look back at the history and see what else is out there. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But anyway, what has changed my mind recently or made me worry less about the current generation is a podcast called Up, Up, and Away. And the young man's name is Mario Benesse. This is a young man early 20s at best, I think a freshman or sophomore in college, found Superman as an 11-year-old in 2006. So again, a very different Superman than I had growing up, obviously, and a different Superman than uh, the Golden Age. So it, he found the character as an 11-year-old and has been reading them, reading him ever since and has really, and has become his favorite character, Okay. What is even more special about this guy's show, this young man's show, is that for the first eight or nine episodes of his show, called Up, Up, and Away, it's a podcast. You can find it now on iTunes and, and some other places. I'll let you know where in a second. But the first eight or nine shows deal with the different origins throughout history of the Man of Steel chronologically. Yes, each show took an origin story and talked about it. Bravo, sir. Bravo. And doing that, this young man has found that there are some really, really cool things happening in the Golden Age, in the 1930s, 40s, the 50s of the Silver Age, right up today. He's even taken a look at the Max Fleischer cartoons on each episode now. That's how he ends his show. It's just terrific. It's uh, uh, If you're a Superman fan, and I assume you are if you're listening to this, I suggest you download, listen to Mario Benesse, Up, Up, and Away. Nice job, young man. This is a job for Superman. Up, Up, and Away, the weekly podcast dedicated to anything and everything Superman. Join me, Mario Benessi, as I explore every aspect of the Man of Steel's history, from comics and movies to TV, radio, and more. It's all here on Up, Up, and Away. For more Up, Up, and Away, go to www.upupandaway.podomatic.com. 
You can find us on Facebook by searching Up, Up, and Away Podcast, and Mario can be contacted through Twitter at MarioFanOfSteel and through email at mvanese94 at yahoo.com. That's B as in boy, E-N-N-E-S-E. Up, Up, and Away is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network. Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring Superman and Batman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, the DC Comics Presents Show, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, it's Superman, the Schuster Herald Podcast, the Kara's Herald Podcast, Superman Forever Radio, Superman Lives, Up, Up and Away, Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy Podcast. The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen's podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Russell Bride, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Saab, Bob Fisher, Chris Moe, Mario Benessi, Drew Wintermeyer, David Byer, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Okay, welcome back. Well, something is happening this weekend that hasn't happened in a very long time, as far as Superman fans are concerned. This Saturday, September 6th, at 6 p.m. on MeTV, M-E-TV, The Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves. Than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. Yay! Broadcast television, a bunch of us are going to be able to sit down at the same time all over the country and watch Superman again. Very, very cool. And not just any Superman. In my mind, the Superman. So, uh, this will be very cool. Yay! I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be sitting in front of my TV Saturday, September 6th at 6 p.m. on me TV, watching The Adventures of Superman. Now, I know it's a little weird. I've got all the DVDs, obviously. I, you know, I could pop these episodes in and watch them anytime I want, and I have done so. Uh, I watch them semi-regularly, but there's something about it being broadcast when you know that other people are going to be watching it at the same time. Uh, It's just kind of cool. We'll see you there. Yay!
Okay, one other thing before we get to the uh, main story tonight of Wonder Man, the new hero of Metropolis. One other little question I have, and I'm I'm putting this out as a uh, as a question to you guys because I have uh, done a little digging and can't seem to find it. But let's put it this way: during the Silver Age or the '60s, Superman was arguably at his most powerful levels. He had the most incredible powers you could imagine all put into one individual. And not just the super strength and the ability to fly and invulnerability, bullets bounce off. Um, But he had incredible vision powers. Now, maybe because of my own uh, problems in that particular area, I've always thought his vision powers were, well, spectacular. But I seem to remember a story... Now, we're talking about the 60s, maybe late 50s, where sitting at his desk somewhere, the way I remember it is Clark Kent was sitting at his desk at the Daily Planet and either looks out the window or just daydreams, but then turns on his uh, supervision and looks through the building, looks up into space, and again, using this supervision, looking into space, looks at another planet in another solar system and then zooms in with his vision to see that it's inhabited and there's a civilization of little weird looking aliens and uh, carrying on their little lives. And he happens, he Superman Clark Kent at his desk happens to notice on this faraway planet in another solar system that something is going on. A crime of some sort is happening and using his, the combination again now of his telescopic vision to look at the planet. Okay. And then more of that to zoom in, to see the people on the planet, then to look around and realize that, Oh, they look over there on that part of the, in that city over there near that, whatever, there's a crime going on. And what, you know, how can I help this stop this thing? He uses his heat vision to set and in my memory, it was to uh, he, he he severed a fuse on a pole uh, where they had like a police box or something like that. So even on this far planet, they had fifties uh, style futuristic though uh, police boxes or something. And uh, using his heat vision, set the alarm off, which scared the crook away. So he foiled a crime on a distant planet using combinations of his vision powers in real time. God, I love Silver Age physics. But anyway, if you know that story, if you if you remember that, if you if that rings a bell to you somehow, where Superman uh, foiled a crime on another planet just using his vision powers, please let me know. Send me some email or voicemail or uh, you could send an audio file if you'd like. Uh, but get in touch with me, Bob at supermanforever.com. Something else very cool about the wonderful Silver Age of Superman comics were the toys that Superman had. He had some very cool things. One of these very cool things, or actually there were multiple of them, but uh, let's put it this way. Some of his very cool toys were his robots. Superman in the Silver Age had robots. Somewhere around 1958, uh, 
Superman robots appeared. Uh, still having a hard time digging up the actual first use of a Superman robot. But throughout the Silver Age, he had robots. And these robots were identical looking to him. They looked like Superman or Clark Kent. He would use them for both. And that's one, re- one way he would use the robots is to help protect his secret identity. They had limited powers. They could fly. They were not totally indestructible. But, you know, they could, uh, in a pinch, substitute for Superman. And he would occasionally use them for uh, missions that maybe uh, involved kryptonite, where it would be too dangerous for Superman to go into the area. He would send one of his robots to take care of that. And again, he would often use the robots to uh, substitute for either he or Clark Kent so that he could be with Lois as Superman flies by or etc etc there was one great story in action comics that was very fun i forget the number right now uh somewhere in the 250s i think uh but the cover actually shows a picture of lois in the background uh superman hiding behind a piece of machinery while a clark kent robot has spilled acid on his hands and so his hands are the skin is melting off of his hands and you see the the metal robot underneath and he's, the robot is wondering, oh no, and Superman's saying, gee, I'm going to, well, the story basically meant Superman had to go on this mission, so he was letting this robot fill in for him for, uh, as Clark Kent, but he kept having to come back, he kept checking on the robot with his supervision, and he had to keep coming back periodically to uh, uh, help the robot out of a jam, so he had to do the mission, but come back periodically to help the robot out of a jam to protect his secret identity, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so anyway, I love the robots. Those were those were something that I really liked about the, the Superman uh, comics of the 60s. And once they were established, obviously, in Superman, uh, nothing was too good to be missed. So they used him in the Superboy comics of the day, too. So Superboy had robots, too, to do basically the same thing. Protect his secret identity or do missions that involved kryptonite or a way for Superboy to be in two places at once. But I liked those stories. I always enjoyed the robot stories. Did you ever wonder what would happen if another hero came to Metropolis and kind of out-heroed Superman? How would Supes react? What would he do? Would he welcome the guy with open arms? Would he mistrust him? Would he turn against him? Would he fight him? What would happen if a Wonder Man became the new hero of Metropolis? Superman number 163. Cover date, August 1963. Release date was June 20th, 1963. And the editor was Mort Weisinger. Cover artwork, the great Kurt Swan inked by George Klein. The story, Wonder Man, the new hero of Metropolis, has the creative team that is quickly just becoming my favorite team. It just seems like every time I pull out a comic that I want to do for the show or that I just want to read here lately that I think, oh, I remember that story. Wow, that was a great story. Pick it up. I look up the credits and I see that it was written by Edmund Hamilton. Really? Edmund Hamilton. And the more I do some research on this guy, the more I find out 
Oh, he did that? He did that? Wow, really? No kidding. Two Over 280 stories he did for DC at about this time period, from roughly 1960 to 1965, 66. So for six years or so, he was just pumping out stories for DC. Superman, uh, some Batman, World's Finest, Adventure, Superboy, Legion of Superheroes, Flash, wow, uh, and a great science fiction writer in his own right. And in fact, a little, a little tangent here, I think one of the differences actually in the time period of, say, the, the 60s, it started to change a little bit in the 70s, but from the 60s back to the earliest times, comic book writers were usually established writers uh, of prose, of fiction or nonfiction, of uh, novels, of other uh, uh, short stories, of other categories before they even came to comic books. There were exceptions, of course. Uh, the great Jerry Siegel was primarily a comic book writer, but wrote short stories and did many other things. But when I find that Edmund Hamilton wrote some of my favorite science fiction stories as well, then now he keeps popping up over and over again in the stories that I want to talk about here on the show. I think, wow, amazing. So there's over 280 DC Comics stories written by Edmund Hamilton. And most of them are of the sci-fi nature, even... And, and I was talking uh, online with, uh, actually, John Wilson just last night a little bit about this, that Edmund Hamilton seems to be one of the few guys that could make Batman work in a sci-fi situation. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. So anyway, Edmund Hamilton, go out and look him up. So he wrote our story today. And this, this team here... Uh, like I said, of Edmund Hamilton writer, Kurt Swan, penciler, and George Klein, inks. Well, it was a pretty tight team and did a tremendous amount of work during this time period for DC Comics. So as their story opens, Clark Kent is saying, see ya, as he leaves for vacation. And his uh, Daily Planet co-workers, Perry and Lois and Jimmy, are saying... Uh, have a nice vacation, Clark, lucky, stiff, etc., etc. The things that you say to someone who is about to leave for vacation. But Clark is thinking some vacation. If they only knew, as Superman, I'm leaving here to do... And he mentions uh, a few things that he's about to do. One of which is to make some really long steel rods and uh, prevent an earthquake from happening. There's no tremblers, and he noticed it was going to eventually happen, so he's going and stabilizing it to prevent it from happening. But his main task for this day is to go and find and to help out with the uh, a new nuclear power station that has just been built, but needs to be turned on, needs to be tested. So when Superman gets there, he realizes that you know it's okay, it's ready for the testing, but he thinks that you know before I uh, get in there and do the test. I should build a protective shielding around the power plant in case of any radiation leak, in case anything goes wrong, to protect the people. When, from out of the sky, comes flying in a guy in purple leotards with yellow boots, yellow trunks, yellow cape, and a yellow W on his S, 
on his chest, and he has uh, blonde hair. Swooping down, carrying large lead shielding, and says, uh, I've got that, I'll take care of that. He builds the shielding around it, and he said, since I've already done the shielding and I'm here, I'll perform the test. And, of course, a crack happens, and he uh, seals up the crack and performs the task perfectly. And Superman says, who is this? And where did he get those powers? And Jimmy Olsen comes in behind him and says, Superman, who is this? And where did he get those powers? And uh, Superman says, I don't know. And he's not a robot. I checked with my x-ray vision. He checked with his x-ray vision. There's a panel right there. Superman using his x-ray vision, looking at the guy, not a robot. So after Wonder Man flies off, Superman is a little concerned, wondering who he is. So when Jimmy says, who is he, Superman? Superman says, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Superman flies then up to his Fortress of Solitude and turns on the viewer that talks to uh, the um, council in the bottle city of Kandor. And they verify that no Kandorians have left the bottle city. They're all still there. Superman then picks up the, uh, gets the Phantom Zone viewer. Yeah, he's got a Phantom Zone viewer that he can look into the Phantom Zone. And he does that and sees that all of the Phantom Zone criminals are there. So they're all accounted for. So who could this superhero guy be? Who is Wonder Man? And while Superman is trying to figure out uh, who Wonder Man is... Wonder Man continues performing super feats and helping the people of Metropolis, uh, holding up a, you know, saving a a ship that was sinking, that had ruptured. Uh, He not only saved it, he held it up out of water so they could repair it and then put it back. And then we get to Superman, who remembers he has to uh, do something for a, a meeting of the UN and Metropolis. Something special was going on, and there was a statue that uh, he was going to that had sunk. He was going to bring that up, this huge statue from a Latin American country that had the, this country had given it to Metropolis as a friendship token, and it had sunk. And Superman was going to get it, but when he flew to get it, he realized that. Uh, Wonder Man had already gotten it. And Superman says, well, how did he even know that it was there and it needed to be? Uh, I don't get it. And then it started to rain over the event. And uh, Superman says, I think I'll fly up and move these clouds away so that it uh, won't hamper the event. In the meantime, Wonder Man has built this big, huge glass dome shelter that not only protects them from the rain this time, but will act as uh, a big protection against the elements in the future. And once again, Superman is just absolutely mystified and can't figure out what's going on. Finally, Superman says, enough is enough, and confronts Wonder Man. And Wonder Man says, back off, Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. He knows who I am. Oh, no. Ah. And pulls a piece of kryptonite from his pouch in his cape. Yes, that's what I... Yeah, in the 60s, Superman had a pouch in his cape. That was very standard procedure for... That's apparently where he carried stuff. Yeah, don't get into the physics about how it still flowed and everything and kept and didn't weight down. Don't get into all that. He had a pouch in his cape where he kept stuff. Wonder Man also now has a pouch in his cape where he pulls out a piece of kryptonite and threatens Superman with it. 
and basically says, Superman, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, and it ain't me that's going to leave. Superman kind of, well, since the guy's got the kryptonite, Superman kind of backs off and flies away. Shortly, you never know really how much time that is, but at the end of the story, they tell us how much time has elapsed, so this time shortly probably just means a few hours. But shortly, the town of Metropolis is having a big parade to honor the new hero of Metropolis, Wonder Man. Now, Wonder Man is in the car, you know, how they do when you're the head guy of the parade. You're sitting on the back of the car, waving to everybody, hey, hello, and then he's thinking to himself as Superman flies meekly over him way in the distance. Wonder Man thinks to himself, if Superman only knew who I really was. Okay, here we go, getting ready for flashback time. No, it's more like flashback. If Superman only knew that until recently, I was one of his Superman robots. And then we see a panel of Superman talking to three or four of the Superman robots. Uh, It looks like they're in the closet of Clark Kent's apartment. Um, And he points to one of the robots and says... You're the strongest of all my robots. That's why I call you Ajax, after a famous strongman. And what was happening is Superman was telling then Ajax what had happened was uh, a meteor shower was was coming was out in space, coming towards Earth. He won't get here for a while, but he wanted to take care of it. And uh, uh, it had uh, kryptonite within the meteor shower. So he was going to send Ajax, his strongest robot, out to take care of the meteor shower. So he ordered Ajax to go out to the meteor shower. And when Ajax got there, he realized that uh, embedded or stuck to one of the asteroids was a small ship. So he was trying to free the ship, uh, which he did, and then was struck from behind by a meteor in the head, which knocked him out, apparently. As he woke up, two aliens were standing over top of him. And the two aliens, by the way, when I say aliens like that, you probably in your mental brain come up with, you know, some sort of a weird alien-looking thing mentally. But drawn here, the two aliens uh, look like uh, Reed Richard or Ronald Reagan. They have, you know, the brown hair with the gray sides on them. So that's, that's what they, they look like Ronald Reagan. So the two aliens... Uh, that Ajax uh, is looking at uh, look like Ronald Reagan in spacesuits, in purple and blue spacesuits. So, <laughs> so anyway, Ajax comes to, and he looks. He's looking at these two aliens, and then he looks in a mirror, and he's now got blonde hair and a slightly changed face, and uh, no longer has a robot body. And the two aliens tell him that in order to thank him for saving them, when the the stray meteor knocked him out, they put his consciousness into an android body. So now he has uh, superpowers and he's an android. And uh, thank you very much. And they give him a costume, the Wonder Man costume. He's all excited and leaves 
And as he leaves, he looks back at the ship and he says, wow, I have x-ray vision. I can fly and I have x-ray vision. And um, uh, he can, uh, he says, I can even see through the ship at the two aliens that saved me and gave me these powers. And now I must get back to Earth quickly. We come back to him now in the car uh, at the parade. And he's still thinking about uh, how great it is to be, you know, have an expressive face, to be a human, and thinking how badly Superman must feel that he has been outshined by the new hero, and he must now continue on with his plan. Suddenly from above, the Daily Planet newsroom helicopter gets wrapped up in, I think, one of the banners or something, and uh, is starting to fall. Wonder Man beats Superman to the helicopter and in fact replaces the uh, he becomes one of the rotors and spins quickly enough so that the helicopter lands safely and he even makes a move on Lois and uh, she kind of shoots him down but uh, he thinks to himself wow for the first time I've seen her many times as a robot before but for the first time I now understand why Superman thinks so much of Lois Lane Superman, seeing this, slumps his shoulder. There's a panel here where he's just slumped shoulders, looking dejected and rejected. And Superman says, thinks to himself, he needs to redo this, rethink this. He flies off, lonely and dejected, to his fortress of solitude. But when he lifts the giant key and is about to put it in the door of the fortress of solitude, there stands Wonder Man. Superman thinks, well, I've got to stop him now. And Superman tackles, attacks Wonder Man. Wonder Man pulls out the kryptonite. They have a fight, 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 fight. And Wonder Man pulls out the kryptonite and lays it next to Superman. Uh, And Wonder Man makes this speech about what basically says he's jealous of Superman. And finally, now you'll be out of the way and I will take over Metropolis permanently and then flies off, leaving kryptonite beside Superman and leaving Superman there apparently to die. Uh, once this happens, a few seconds after this happens, a few minutes later, comes the ship that Wonder Man had saved. Out pop the two aliens, walk over to Superman, and expose the entire truth. And as that happens, Wonder Man comes flying back. Superman and Wonder Man together defeat the aliens, put them back in their ship, and apparently, they say, throw them so far away from Earth, it'll take them eons to get back. So that gets rid of them. And uh, Wonder Man then reveals that once he got the powers, and remember he tested it by once he left the ship flying back to Earth, he used his x-ray vision to look back in on the two aliens in the ship. And then read the lips of the two aliens as they told the truth about being part of the Superman revenge squad. And they were out to kill Superman and they were going to use Wonder Man to do it. That's when Wonder Man came up with the plan to uh, appear to be jealous of Superman and defeat him, thus bringing out the revenge squad. And when they came back, he would they would surprise the revenge squad and defeat them, which is what happened. 
And we're all going to live happily ever after. No, they were not going to live happily ever after. So anyway, Superman and Wonder Man then go back to the Daily Planet together and they're talking about this and giving Lois the story and there's Lois and Jimmy and it's all happy and Superman says, wow, that was really great and now that I know the true story, Superman says, Wonder Man, welcome to Metropolis. We will work together as equal partners. And Superman has this look on his face of just pure joy, almost a kid at his birthday party, just happy, happy, happy. And Wonder Man gets a little sickly looking and says, I'm sorry, that, that, that's not going to happen, Superman, because uh, when I looked in with my x-ray vision to the two aliens and read their lips, the part I didn't tell you is that they only gave me three days of life to complete my mission. That's why I had to act the way I did so quickly, it was to bring them out, choke, and then he falls in Superman's arms, he dies. In the next panel, Superman builds a big marble monument to Wonder Man, and on the marble monument it says, Wonder Man, formerly Ajax. He was born a robot, but died a man. I don't really have a lot of notes on this one, um, other than terrific little story. Twelve pages, written by Edmund Hamilton. Some terrific Kurt Swan inks, I mean pencils. The, the artwork throughout, again, is expressive, poignant when it needs to be. Uh, it's, it's really just Kurt Swan at his best. And, you know, just a terrific little story. So, don't have a whole lot of notes on this one. One other cool thing, though, about this issue is that the ad, they have some really cool house ads uh, for the upcoming annuals that were being sold at the time, including the giant Superman annual, which is the 25th silver anniversary issue. Terrific annual. The backup story was called The Goofy Superman, a fun story where Red Kryptonite makes Superman act kind of crazy, so they put him in a... In a uh, sanitarium for a while and hijinks pursue so a terrific issue all in all superman number 163 the robot that became a man that died to save superman and metropolis just terrific story okay that's it uh i hope you've enjoyed this one uh i really have enjoyed this uh episode because of this issue the fact that there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the world of superman not the least of which as i mentioned earlier saturday september 6th 6 p.m on me tv the adventures of superman starring george reeves and they're starting from the beginning superman on earth episode one season one And Season 1, Episode 2, The Haunted Lighthouse. Two great episodes, which tells me they're starting from the beginning. They're doing the black and white Season 1 episodes first. More like black and white crime noir dramas and adventure mysteries than Superman comic books. But absolutely wonderful. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being here, folks. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Action Comics and Superman Magazine. All copyrights are, well, owned by their prospective copyright holders. 
I do this for fun, not profit, because, well, there's no profit to be made in talking about Superman on a podcast, so don't sue me. Be back next time for an all-new episode of Superman Forever Radio. I'm Bob Fisher.
Take. 